Welcome to OECD Podcasts, where policy meets people. The tech and digital world is constantly evolving. As technology continues to advance, we're more connected than ever. With a Bluetooth baby monitor, we can check on our sleeping children from our phone. A robot vacuum can learn the floor plan of our apartment to clean, and we're able to do a variety of governmental tasks online, such as filing taxes, and in some countries, even voting. But with more benefits, also come more risk. How can we ensure that we are protected from digital threats? Well, the OECD addressed these concerns with their digital security recommendations to help keep individuals, businesses, and governments secure online. I'm Robin Allison Davis. To tell us more about the OECD's recommendations, Audrey Plonk, Head of Digital Economy Policy Division for the OECD's Science and Technology Directorate, is here with us today. Audrey is a repeat podcast guest, as she spoke with us before about the OECD AI Observatory. Welcome back to OECD Podcast, Audrey. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I just want to start with a little bit of terminology so that our listeners can understand the OECD calls it digital security and not the more oft-used cybersecurity. Can you tell us the reasoning behind that? Sure, absolutely. So cybersecurity is a pretty commonly used term to mean the security of networks, the security of software and products and services, but it's a vaguely defined term, and it usually encompasses a range of topics that are a little bit outside of some of the topics that the OECD works on. So, for example, we think of the world of security in sort of four different buckets. One is economic and social issues, which is where the OECD focuses our time are really more three buckets, economic and social issues, law enforcement issues, so cybercrime and all of that, which is really outside of the mandate of the OECD, and then what we call sort of cross-border cyber defense sort of security, which is really more the domain of like the NATO, air, you know, sort of organizations that focus on intelligence and defense issues. So in those three buckets, the OECD's focus is on economic and social aspects of digital security, and we call it digital security because cybersecurity sort of often means all of those or people think of it as some of these other aspects that are generally dealt with by other organizations. And the unique perspective that we bring is really the economic and social perspective. So that's why we call it digital security. It also allows a little bit more flexibility. People don't worry that we're talking about military operations or things that are more sensitive. Okay. So basically, digital security is more in the economic and social realm, which is what the OECD deals with. That's right. That's good to know. The OECD isn't new to giving digital security recommendations. In fact, some of the recommendations that we'll be talking about today are updated from previous ones. What was missing from the previous ones that we needed to address now? What's changed? The OECD has been working on digital security for quite a long time. What's changed? I mean, a lot has changed. First of all, digitalization has, as you said in your introduction, created tons of opportunity. There's more connected devices, there's more connected people, but all those connections also create risks and vulnerabilities. And so as that digital transformation continues to happen, the issues around security evolve and change. And so we needed to keep pace with some of those changes to update what governments are doing and how the world is responding to some of these threats, and then focus in areas where maybe our previous recommendations didn't touch on, but that are increasingly a matter of policymaking in OECD countries and beyond. And so all of those things together made it timely for us to update recommendations we had already had and also introduce new ones. For example, you know, there's been the last several years a significant rise in ransomware attacks. You read about that on the headlines here in France. 
fairly regularly and around the world. So the threats are constantly evolving. And from the OECD's perspective, they're touching things that are you know, economic and social goods that we need in our societies and in our lives. And so we try to look at that, those issues from that perspective. And these updated recommendations are meant to help guide policymakers in this new sort of era of threat and opportunities. So let's dive into these recommendations. There are four recommendations, digital security risk management, national digital security strategies, digital security of products and services, and the treatment of digital security vulnerabilities. Can you explain a little bit about each one? Let's start with the digital security risk management. Absolutely. So that's what we think of as our foundational recommendation. It's been around for a while. It was one that was updated. And that's kind of the basic kind of hygiene of how to manage cyber risk, how to not lock everything down so much that you can't get any benefit out of it, make it unusable. There's often discussed a trade-off between usability and security. You know, the harder (laughs) you probably have this when you have to double or triple authenticate for something, right? Right. You the have user experience has the gone down. The user experience <laughs> goes down. So so did this, like, how to manage risk and how to think about managing risk. And it's there's a lot of other international standards, technical standards and other about risk management. It's a domain in and of itself. But this recommendation, you know, also looks at things like innovation and security. It looks at things like making sure people have the skills to interact with security issues. So it's really the foundation. And it's the thing that everything else is built on in our recommendations. The next layer we think of is what we call the strategic layer. And this is where certainly in the last decade, countries have really started putting into place national level strategies focused on digital security or cybersecurity more broadly. And so that's a trend that we observed. And this recommendation helps guide governments in developing those kinds of strategies. And they are really important because while they tend to be high level, they are orienting an entire economy or a country around focusing on security. And so if you go back 20 or 25 years, it wasn't a very common topic for governments to talk about cybersecurity. It's pretty common today. And some of that transition has been toward recognizing the risk. It's come along with digitization, but one of the tools that governments have is putting strategies in place for how they're going to cope with it, sort of a whole of government approach. And so that recommendation focuses on helping governments develop those strategies, what needs to be in them, how to think about those. So for that one, it's more about putting the onus on policymakers to really step up and protect their citizens? Yeah, the strategy itself is the policymaker role. So different countries have different places in their government where the strategy might come from, depending on how they've organized sort of policy around security. But the strategy itself will include things that are not only within the mandate of government, but that are how to incentivize the private sector to act, how to get individuals to take a certain amount of responsibility to protect themselves. So the strategy should be comprehensive, looking at all those aspects, some things government needs to do, and things like awareness campaigns, for example. Mm-hmm. In France, they did a whole cybersecurity awareness campaign using the characters from Bureau des Légions. So there's things that government can do, or they can fund non-for-profits and others to execute aspects of a strategy. But yeah, the onus of developing the strategy should be comprehensive. It should look across a set of issues, not just at technical matters, but also at skills, at awareness, at capabilities, at the organization of government itself around these issues, at the services government provides to both individuals and citizens, but also companies. Mm-hmm. So that's the strategic layer. How it gets implemented, then you know we can go into the next set of recommendations and talk about implementation. Well, in terms of the government, the digital security strategies, do you have an example of a country that you think is doing really well? 
I mean, th- lots of our OECD countries are doing really well in terms of strategies. I mean, the EU, for example, at the European Union level has its own legislation around security, and that trickles down across EU member states. There are cybersecurity strategies in the United States, in Australia. And so I think part of the reason we developed this recommendation or continued to focus on this aspect was because we saw countries taking those steps and then wanting to sort of monitor what things countries were putting in their strategies Mm -hmm. so that they could learn from each other. Best practices, that's a big part of what the OECD does. We make recommendations, but we try to take the best of what everybody's doing. So I think there are a lot of countries that are doing well, and not just in the OECD. I mean, we don't have always access to information from non-member countries, but if you look at Brazil or other non-members that are really strong in cybersecurity and have been working on policy for a long time, I think the thing that started to become unique a decade ago is that it used to be that security was sort of this like, thing over in the side that was like buried in the basement of some random government building that nobody ever went to. I mean, I'm being a little bit, it's not that bad, but, you know, so it's really gotten its own identity. Mm -hmm. I think the narrative and the identity around security and the need to talk about it in more accessible terms has really changed because people's daily lives are faced with real security challenges, identity theft, ransomware. (laughs) There was an attack at a hospital. One of my colleagues here, the doctor couldn't access the protocol for the treatment because there had been a cyber attack. You know, these are real things that are no longer just crazy stuff that you hear about once a year. It's like real daily. daily. I went to a museum recently in France and they said that the tickets were free that day because there had been an attack and they weren't able to process the tickets. So it's true. It's everywhere. Yeah. All the time. So what about the third one, digital security of products and services? I'm especially interested in this one because I do have quite a connected home. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's good to hear what the recommendation is. Yeah. Products and services over the last five, six, eight years, the massively increased digitalization and interconnected homes and the Internet of Things, the role of vulnerable products in the ecosystem has become more and more of an issue where products are made of code, they're made of hardware and software. That hardware and software can have vulnerabilities in it. It's part of life. It's just the way it is. I mean, we're never going to eliminate that. The question is, how do you reduce it? And then how do you manage vulnerabilities in products and services when they happen? So that's what this recommendation is focused on. The economics of what makes companies build products a particular way, what incentivizes them to do security in a particular way is something that we've long looked at because we're the OECD and we do economics generally. You're never going to get 100% security. They can't predict every instance and every configuration in which their product will be used. And there are certain things you plug one thing in here and it creates a vulnerability over here. So certainly the private sector has a huge amount of responsibility. How do you incentivize companies to use the best process out there to write the code, to do the testing, and then to deploy a product in a way that is secure or at least has gone through known best practice on building safe and secure products is a non-trivial feat. And so this recommendation focuses on that, getting the product into the marketplace in a way that is as good as can be. So there was a studies done a few years ago about the number of IoT products, particularly coming out of a certain geography where... And I'm sorry, IoT stands for what? Internet of Things. Sorry, Internet of Things. (laughs) Coming out of a particular geography where these products were maybe not possible to patch. So one of the interesting things about technology, just like if you 
puncture your raft on the river, you can put a patch on it to keep it from leaking air or your tire. You know, you patch up your bicycle tire when it busts. The same thing happens with code and with technology. So you can patch problems and vulnerabilities, but you have to be able to do that. You have to have the technical means. And so there was a lot of examples of IoT devices just completely failing because they couldn't be updated and couldn't be patched. So things like that, like the best practice around building a product so that you can patch it in mm-hmm. and of itself seems maybe obvious to a sort of a, your everyday person. But at the end of the day, that's a choice. It's a design choice. Mm-hmm. It's an architecture choice that producers have to make. And how do you incentivize that to be the choice that they make relative to the thing that's easier to do, which is maybe to just put the thing out and... Right. Or a lot of companies sometimes make you buy the newer version of the product instead of updating the one that you have. Right. They don't make that even an option for you. Exactly. (laughs) And that's even now a connection to more of the sustainability and environmental issues of shouldn't we force the updatability of products to keep people from buying new stuff so that we can be Mm -hmm. greener. But the dynamics around building the products and building them in a security by design mentality and how to incentivize that, what makes companies behave a certain way. So that's what that recommendation focuses on. Okay, and we're at the last recommendation, the treatment of digital security vulnerabilities. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah. First, let me back up and say vulnerabilities are found many different ways in products. They can be found by the producer of the product. Most companies, particularly big, reputable companies, do their own security research on their own products to try to improve them and to make sure that they are meeting standards and whatnot. There are academic researchers whose job and whose work is to look at products and find vulnerabilities in products in order to improve the product. There are sort of commercial researchers that do that for hire. And then there's obviously bad guys that do that. And so the range of people that look at like hacking products to find where they are vulnerable, the spectrum is fairly wide of the kinds of people that do that. And as more digitalization, more technology out there, this kind of race to who's going to find a vulnerability first Mm -hmm. in order for it to be patched, in order for a bad guy not to exploit it, that is a complex ecosystem, particularly if you're a vendor or a company that's selling a product. So this really gets to when a vulnerability is found, what are the steps that one should walk through to manage it in a responsible way? The idea behind this recommendation and a lot of other work that's out there in the ecosystem is to coordinate that process as much as possible between researchers, between the commercial, what we call kind of white hat hackers, Mm -hmm. as opposed to black hat hackers, which are like the bad guys and the white hat hackers are like the good guys and the companies. One thing we dug into in this was the sort of the liability regime for researchers who find vulnerabilities. So, for example, in most countries, illegally accessing a computer network or system is a crime. And so there's been a lot of work in the last decade to sort of figure out how do we protect researchers who are doing the right thing, finding the problems, disclosing them in a coordinated and responsible way from criminal liability. And what is the incentive to keep companies from suing individuals or researchers for finding vulnerabilities in their products? And then the question of how we make sure it's implemented the right way is where this recommendation tries to focus, because it is complicated. Mm -hmm. And this tries to sort of boil it down and make it a little more simple for policymakers. Okay, so we have these four recommendations, but what is the impact 
that we're hoping for. Yeah, I think the impact is that with a lot of OECD work, at least on the digital space, we're trying to kind of set a foundation, a common baseline that everyone's working from, ultimately to raise the level of security, so to say, but also to harmonize the way that countries think about those problems and therefore how they think about the solutions so that they are coherent with each other and so that they're all sort of, again, getting the best from each other that they can possibly get. We hope that these contribute to policymakers advancing their domestic agendas in cybersecurity and keeping a focus on this issue, which is only getting more important and not less important. Mm -hmm. All aspects of society and of government need to understand this. So we hope that it will be helpful and influential as well. (laughs) So what do you see as the future of digital security? What are the next steps that we can look forward to seeing? I think there's going to be a lot of policy change in this area, a lot of regulation. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity in that to make our approaches at an international level interoperable so that we have a good picture of what's happening out there in the security world, just like in the data breach world, you know, not everything gets reported. It's hard to know what the economic impact is. And so I think that is going to change as policy starts to evolve and companies are going to be held to different standards and new standards and governments are going to want to know more about what's happening, particularly in the critical sector. The idea around digital security is that security is a foundational enabler of the economy. So we're on a journey at the OECD where security dates back to a long time. But you know, this is the moment where I think with these new recommendations and with some of the changing dynamics in the market and in the policy world that we hope they can they're really a starting point. They're not the end point. They're mm-hmm. not like put on the shelf. Okay, we said this thing. Now it's like, okay, this is the starting point for the discussion. Okay, what's the EU going to do? What's Japan going to do? What's Australia going to do? And I understand that you have a forum coming up. Yes. Will the recommendations be discussed at the forum? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we have a global forum on digital security for prosperity, we call it. It was created in 2018. And while with COVID, we've sort of moved to an every 18 to 24 months cadence rather than an annual cadence. And the forum sort of looks at different issues with each session. This year, we're looking at AI and IoT, so security of artificial intelligence and of Internet of Things, building again on the product security and services recommendation. So yes, it will be discussed. It's an invite-only event. The next one will, well, March 13th to 14th, we try to choose the topics based obviously on what our countries want to talk about, but also what we see happening in the environment. We work with a lot of experts in the community, not Mm -hmm. just governments, because the value we can provide is bringing this kind of multi-stakeholder group together, helping governments have access to practitioners and people working on the ground. So we sort of see how the topics evolve and what is most useful in that moment to talk about. So unfortunately, I can't give a broad invitation to everyone (laughs) to come, but certainly go to the OEC's website and digital security and get in touch with us because we're always happy to have more people involved in our work and have more experts participating. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Audrey. Thank you so much for having me. It was really interesting. To learn more about the OECD's digital security recommendations, go to oecd.org slash digital slash digital dash security. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD. 